Good morning. Y'all like to sit in the back rows. It's like the Red Sea up here, it just gets parted. Merry Christmas. Y'all doing well today? Good. I know it's really easy in this season for me to get distracted from the reason and the person of the season, which is Jesus. It's easy to get distracted by how much finances I have versus how many gifts I need to get or how much cleaning I need to do or cooking and planning and preparing. So this year we get to have it at someone else's house, and so that's been kind of nice. Today I want to talk about the birth of Christ, but also how through this passage in Luke, we see that Jesus not only is the sacrificial lamb to come, but also he is the high priest. And so I want us to start reading here in Luke 2, verse chapter 2. It says, In those days Caesar Augustus Augustus issued a decree. A census should be taken of the entire Roman world. This is the first census that took place while Quirinius was governor of Syria, and everyone went to their own town to register. So Joseph also went up from the town of Nazareth into Galilee to Judah, to Bethlehem, the town of David, because he belonged to the house line of David. He went there to register with Mary, who was his pledged to be married to him and was was expecting a child. While While they were there, the time came... For the baby to be born. And she gave birth to her firstborn son. And she wrapped him in swatting clothes and placed him in a manger because there was no guest room available for them. And there were shepherds living out in the fields nearby, keeping watch over their flocks at night. And the angel appeared to them, and the glory of the Lord shone around them, and they were terrified. But the angel said to them, Do not be afraid. For I bring good news that will cause great joy for the people. Today in the town of David, a Savior has been born to you. He is the Messiah, the Lord. This will be your sign. You will find the baby wrapped in swaddling clothes and lying in a manger. Suddenly a great company of heavenly hosts appeared. Can you imagine all of a sudden the skies opening up and angels just singing? Suddenly, a great company of heavenly hosts appeared with the angels, praising God and saying, Glory to God in the highest heaven, and on earth peace to those whom his favor rests. Then the angels had left them and gone into heaven, and the shepherds said to one another, Let us go into Bethlehem and see this thing that has happened, which the Lord has told us about. So they hurried off and found Mary and Joseph and the baby who was lying in the manger. When they had seen him, they spread the word concerning what they had been told about this child. And all who heard it were amazed at what the shepherds said to them. But Mary treasured them up, all these things, and pondered them in her heart. The shepherds returned, glorifying and praising God for all the things that they had heard and seen, which were just as they had been told. I just put myself in the position sometimes of the shepherds when I think of this story. Because I'm minding my own business in a dark field 
with a whole bunch of stinky animals. And then all of a sudden, an angel appears. And if you notice, too, in and throughout Scripture, any time the divine encounters humans, humans are immediately afraid. <laughs> so sometimes we're like, oh, man, I'd love to be visited by an angelic being. Well, history shows us that everyone is always afraid. But when we look at what happened... And the shepherds going into Bethlehem to find Jesus. There's identifying markers that God spoke to them. Baby, swaddling clothes, and a manger. But what's so unique about those specific things, from a shepherd's point of view, specifically in that region where a lot of these lambs that were born were used for temple sacrifices for the forgiveness of sin. Swaddling clothes was actually what they wrapped a newborn lamb that was spotless in so that it would help protect itself so that it could be sacrificed later. And oftentimes, a newborn lamb would also be placed in a manger so that it would also help protect itself. What's unique through this process is when we look at Jesus being born in this barn, I don't necessarily think, now this is my projection here, but I don't necessarily think Mary and Joseph were bringing swaddling clothes that represented the sacrificial lamb in to Bethlehem with them. What I think happened is that When Jesus was born in a barn full of animals, there was already the garment in there. Because there was a lamb within that building that was eventually going to be sacrificed. Because there was no reason for Mary and Joseph to bring swaddling clothes that represented the sacrificial lamb. What's unique about the swaddling clothes, too, some scriptures talk about it being strips of clothing, but that also identifies, in a, in a sense, the mummification when people are preserved and buried. God identified Jesus by the garments he was wearing to the shepherds. And what's unique about that is that the shepherds were aware of what those garments mean. There's a oral and written tradition called the Mishnah. And it was written roughly 200 years after Christ. And it's just laws and traditions of Israel. And in the Mishnah, it actually talks about shepherds being of lowly people, outcasts of society. There's even a saying that if you're walking by a pit and you see a shepherd stuck in it, keep walking. Or if you're going to court, don't bring a shepherd as your witness. They were viewed as horrific people. And when I look at 
shepherds through that lens of what Israelites looked at them as, we have several forms of thought. One, this was actually written 200 years after Christ. So to say that that's specifically how they were viewed then, we don't 100% know. However, what we do see at this moment is that there was this progress of changing of vocation within shepherds. It used to be one where we saw King David and his family took care of sheep to eventually over time it became more of a job and it became more of a, a servant's position. And so when we look at shepherds being the ones that God introduced himself to for the birth of Christ, there's this moment where it's like God is looking at some of the lowliest of people, some of the most outcasts of society, and revealing himself to them to bring and reconcile them to him. What's unique about this is that if we look at Jesus not just as the spotless lamb, but also as high priest. Whenever sacrifices are being prepared and made, you have the priests outside the city gates that kill and burn the animal, and then the blood was offered to the high priest, and then the high priest would take that into the temple. What's unique is that God called these shepherds into the presence of God. I want to read 1 Peter 2, 9. But you are chosen, you are a chosen people, a royal priesthood, a holy nation, a special possession, that you may declare the praises of him who called you out of darkness into wonderful light. Once you were not a people, but now you are the people of God. Once you had not received mercy, but now you have received mercy. He's not, he's not talking to shepherds in that specific passage. He's talking to those that are Christians and those that are believing in him. But the symbolism from what he's telling us here and what took place in that field that night is being called out of darkness into his light and that they were then to go decree and declare what they had seen in the goodness of God. The most outcast of people in society were being transformed into a priesthood. What I love about this is that he revealed himself to the most vulnerable, most broken, most outcast people. He didn't reveal himself to the high priest or the kings or any other people working in the temple. But he revealed himself to those that would understand the destiny of what it meant for Jesus to be the Messiah the sacrificial lamb because they were a people that could understand what that looked like what's unique about the high priest let's, I'm going to read in Leviticus 
21, starting in verse 10. The high priest, the one among his brothers, who has had the anointing oil poured on his head, and who has been ordained to wear the priestly garments, must not let his hair become unkept or tear his clothes. He must not enter a place where there is a dead body. He must not make himself unclean, even for his father or mother, nor leave the sanctuary of God. But he has been dedicated by the anointing oil of his God. I am the Lord. So we see in Leviticus one of the aspects of the high priest being dedicated. We also see in Scripture where Jesus was anointed shortly before he died on the cross in Bethany. But what I love about this aspect is he has been ordained to wear priestly garments. When we look in Leviticus, there was very specific structures on what priests could and could not do, how they could dress. It was very specific. So when we look at Jesus as the fulfillment and the high priest, when we go back to the swaddling clothes, that's a very specific marker. Because it's the indication of not only him being the high priest but being the sacrificial lamb who goes into the presence of God on our behalf and is the sin bearer. In Leviticus 21 again, in verse 16, it says, The Lord said to Moses, Say to Aaron, For the generation to come, none of your descendants who has a defect may come near to offer the food of his God. No man who has any defect may come near. No man who is blind or lame or disfigured or disformed. No man with a crippled foot or hand or who has a hunchback or a dwarf or who has any eye defect or who has any festering or running sores or damaged male parts. No descendant of Aaron, the priest, who has any defect, is to come near to present the food offering to the Lord. He has a defect. He must not come near to offer the food of his God. What is so unique about Jesus being the fulfillment, not only as high priest, but as sacrificial lamb. But when we look at this scripture, Jesus not only offers the food, he becomes the food for us. We see that through communion. The switching of the high priest, presenting the food offering to God, is Jesus. He presents himself both as high priest, who offers the food on our behalf, and takes upon our sin as an offering to God 
on our behalf. Which is the representation again of the Lamb. At this time, Don, if you would come get the communion elements and be ready to get passed out. In Matthew 26, while they were still eating, Jesus took the bread and, we had, and when he had given thanks, he broke it and he gave it to his disciples saying, Take, eat, this is my body. Then he took the cup and then he had given thanks. He gave it to them saying, Drink from it, all of you. This is my blood, the covenant which is poured out for many for the forgiveness of sins. I tell you, I will not drink from this fruit of the vine from now on until the day when I drink it anew with you in my Father's kingdom. If you go ahead and pass out the... Thank you. The whole reason for the birth of Jesus is to get us to this point. The sacrificial lamb, the high priest, combined into one. Because no man can go before God like the high priest could. So Jesus became that high priest. There was no sin offering perfect enough to go before the Lord except for him. And so when we look at Jesus' birth, it all points to this point. That he has come into the world to bring good news. And the good news is that the Messiah has come. That salvation is here and that God is with us. And through this story... we see the redemption of mankind. We see the beginning stages of what God is getting ready to do here on earth. And so as we're passing out these elements, I'm going to get ready to pray, and then we can take this all together. Father God, I just thank you for who you are and what you've done through and by your son's shed blood. God, I thank you that you are the perfect one, the unblemished lamb who is gifted to us for the salvation of man. That we could have eternal life and forgiveness of our sins through you. Lord, you placed your body in a place to be broken for us. And we recognize that. And we glorify you. And we give you thanks. In Jesus' name. Take the bread and eat. Jesus, your blood was poured and shed out for all mankind. So that we might have the grace and forgiveness of our sins. Lord, I thank you from the foundation of this earth that you had a plan, even knowing that when Adam would sin, you had a plan. 
and that you still saw fit to create us and to rescue us. Thank you for your son's shed blood. In Jesus' name, go ahead and take. God, I thank you that you have forgiven us of our sin. And we accept this grace of love and mercy in our life. In Jesus' name. Amen. Now we're getting ready to go into a special part of the service where we're going to do candlelight and a song. And through this process, we'll also have the invitation. And so I'll wait till the candles are passed out and we can have a song. Fun story. I was probably about eight years old. Do you remember this, Mom? And I had longer hair at the time. And my dad thought I did this on purpose for whatever reason. But we're praying at candlelight service. And I have my head down and then my hair catches on fire. <laughs> my bangs. And it started stinking real bad. And my dad's like, Evan, stop playing. And then all of a sudden we noticed my hair was on fire. <laughs> you remember that? I will never forget it. <laughs> Thank you. What I love about what this moment represents as we're holding these candles and we're getting ready to light, even though we have lights on, this candle represents a few things. That we are in darkness as the shepherds were. And we're in the process of being ready to come into light. And that's a significant moment because as we receive the light, we also share the light. Which is a lot like the Great Commission of going to all the world and preach the gospel. God has called us up out of darkness and he has provided us the light. Yeah, you can come light it. He has called us out of darkness into his wonderful light that he provided. So if you want to go ahead and play the song, if you have that cued, and go ahead and stand.